For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome in, everyone, to Scoop Du Jour. I'm Jordan Black. I just got back from a trip to Florida. That is where I'm from. So spending some much-needed time with family and friends. And I'm capping off a fun-filled July with family and friends visiting Chicago with my parents then coming to Chicago. So back-to-back weekends with family. Um, and it'll feel like home here in Chicago with them visiting us in this place that has been home to us for um, about a year. But another place that feels like home to me and always has and always will is North Carolina. It's the place I went to college in Chapel Hill. Um, I love every part of North Carolina, but something about the Triangle is such a special place to me. So um, UNC is the place where I got to go to school, but it's also the place where I made some amazing friends. Um, and it's the place where I got to work for the football team and watch some incredible football games and basketball games, of course. But this week's guest, you will see um, and hear and hopefully enjoy as much as I did, is James Hurst. He is an offensive lineman currently for the New Orleans Saints. He began his career with the Baltimore Ravens and is entering his 10th season in the league, which even he said is hard to believe um, because it's just such a grind, right? But he works so hard. He is as kind as he is a hard worker. He is, uh, when I tell you this, one of the nicest people you will ever hear from. And I've been lucky enough to meet. Um, The way we got connected is his wonderful wife um, is a sorority sister of mine. So you'll hear all these stories in this week's episode. But I really want you to pay attention to um, when I ask him who are, are some folks that he admires who have kind of guided his career. His answer is so special. Um, he's also a coffee connoisseur, a book lover. So not to mention an incredible athlete. He started all 16 games um, for the Saints last season. So he's loving New Orleans. He was phenomenal on the Ravens as well. We talk a little bit of ACC, of course, with the UNC connection, but with also so many guys in the league. He is just such a treat. So I hope you enjoy this episode with James Hurst. If you enjoy this episode or so many others um, on Scoop Du Jour, don't be afraid to like, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Tell your friends as well. Um, And without further ado, here is this week's episode with James Hurst. Alrighty, welcome into Scoop Du Jour, James Hurst, offensive lineman currently for the Saints, but you spent a lot of your career with the Baltimore Ravens, and you're entering your 10th season in the NFL. I don't know if you can kind of believe that. It seems probably hard to believe for for you, maybe not for everyone else, um, but how, how does that feel going into season number 10 and um, in a pretty cool franchise for you? Yeah, it's it is surreal, absolutely surreal. It's been a huge blessing. Um, ten years ago, when I left college, I never could have imagined playing ten years in the NFL. So I feel very, very fortunate. I know there's a ton of things that you know have to fall your way, and then there's you know certain 
certain number of things that's on your plate as well. So I feel blessed to play 10 years. Um, it's just been so enjoyable. And I think uh, with each passing year, I've been able to enjoy it a little bit more. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, and yeah, New Orleans is awesome. It's unbelievable. This has been my fourth season in New Orleans. And uh, my wife, Amanda, and I, we, we love it there. We loved it from day one. Felt really respected and valued um, on the team. And then the city is such a cool place. Uh, we are foodies, so we are right at home in that aspect. Um, but yeah, so much history, so much to do. And yeah, we've, we've really been soaking it in for sure since we've been there. Going back to when you left college, which I didn't touch on, a former Tar Heel, fellow Tar Heel. I go Heels, say. go Heels. Go Heels. Um, I, I always throw that in when I have former Tar Heels on, but uh, maybe my first um, former Tar Heel football player that we did have Coach Fedora on. Yes. Um, and um, going back, so undrafted out of Carolina. And yep. when you when you leave UNC and you're un, undrafted, um, but then you're you're 10 years in the league. Take me through maybe that brief moment before a team picks you up. And then um, now you're 10 years in. What goes through your mind when you're like, no one grabbed me? And now, yeah. but I mean, what, what goes through your mind right before you get snatched up by the Ravens? Um, maybe on what they missed and then what they, they kind of grabbed in, in snatching you up. Yeah. So my, uh, I'm going to go back just a year further. So my last season at Carolina, um, we were playing in the Belk Bowl in Charlotte and against Cincinnati. And I, in that game, I tied the school record for starts in football, which is really awesome. And also in that game, I broke my leg in the first quarter. So I, you know, the draft projections are what they are. There's definitely uncertainty around them, but I was projected to be drafted uh, anywhere from the second round to the fifth round. Then I break my leg. And so then obviously everything's up in the air. So draft weekend for me was uh, high anxiety, stress, ton of disappointment, honestly, uh, just you always have that goal and that vision of, you know, seeing your name on the bottom line and ESPN, like, you know, so-and-so mm-hmm. draft James Hurst. And, uh, that was a huge dream that I had and one that, uh, was not realized, but, you know, as the draft's ending, I think, um, I think a lot of people probably don't know that in the sixth and seventh round of the drafts, teams are already calling their high value um, undrafted guys to try to get to sign them. Mm-hmm. So even though they're still drafting players, they're also working on these other group of players that, you know, people that were just outside the draft is from a talent perspective, maybe. Um, so in the sixth and seventh round, I'm getting phone calls from teams hoping they're going to say, we're going to draft you. But in reality, a lot of those teams were saying, Hey, we might draft you, but we know we want to sign you if you don't get drafted. So um, yeah, that was, that was a whirlwind for sure. But probably within 30 minutes after the draft, uh, I signed with the Ravens. They had a, um, at the time, a great offensive line coach, Juan Castillo, who had been known for developing um, undrafted offensive linemen. So very kind of specific uh, niche reputation in that regard, Mm -hmm. but they brought me in and, uh, the depth chart was favorable to be able to make the team. And so that was, those are some of the reasons I picked Baltimore and, you know, it really worked out. They gave me an opportunity to play uh, as a rookie. I started seven games, uh, two playoff games and, and played some really good football. And, you know, I think that that really gave me, I don't know, maybe bought me some time um, to, to earn a spot on the team and earn, you know, a spot on the team for years to come until I signed a second contract with them. So it was, it was a wild ride. And, um, 
you know, at the time it was not ideal. It's not how you draw it up, but it definitely, you know, ended up working out for me. What's neat. And maybe I've heard this too with undrafted free agents, you almost get a little more say or pick like, because yep. you're kind of picking where you want to go. And like you said, this coach has kind of your specific line of work is his forte. So yeah. you kind of feel like that's, it's almost in your favor. Not, yeah. Right? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent right with that. Yeah. Okay. So you go to Baltimore um, and not when you're drafted, but then later you get to protect who's one of the great NFL uh, quarterbacks now, Lamar Jackson. Talk about yeah. that experience, but even before um, what it was like just to, and a fellow ACC quarterback, um, just the experience of being on the O-line there and what it was like for you and starting as a rookie, just all the experiences you had in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, my rookie year, the guy in front of me, um, you know, had a couple different injury spells. And so I got to start and play. Um, my first game was actually a start against the Carolina Panthers in Baltimore, oh, which fun. was pretty ironic. Um, Steve Smith was with us in Baltimore, and that was his first game against his old team, the Carolina Panthers. Oh, that's and cool. And so I, I think he had like, I don't know, 150 yards and two touchdowns or something. He had a day, which was really cool to see for him. Uh, we won 38 to 10. I mean, it was a it was a pretty awesome first start. And then I go to Indianapolis the very next week, which is my hometown, yeah. and give you up three. I did, yeah. So okay. they drafted the culture drafted Peyton Manning, uh, I think in like '98, which I was seven years old. So it was perfect timing for me. Um, and they started to get really good as I was growing up. So I grew up a Colts fan. Second start, first start on the road in Indianapolis, and I gave up three sacks. Had a horrible game. Oh. It was definitely like a you know a revert back to the mean, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of realized you know how tough the league is, and you know how fast fortunes can change, I guess. Um, yeah, end of, end of my rookie year, started two playoff games. First playoff game was in Pittsburgh in the Pittsburgh-Baltimore rivalry. Uh, we won that game. And then we went on to play at New England versus Tom Brady in the second round of the playoffs, and we, we lost that game. But it was an incredible experience as a rookie. Um, and as years passed, I realized how rare – um, playoff games are, you know, I, yeah. my first year I play in two playoff games and I'm kind of under the impression like, Oh yeah, this is normal. This is what happens. And it's not. And so I really, I really come to cherish those more as I've gotten older um, and what they stood for, but yeah, I've played um, three more years there and signed a four year extension uh, in Baltimore. I played uh, left guard. I played right tackle. I played all over. That's kind of been the, the story of my career is being mm -hmm. able to go in at different places. Um, so the versatility has, you know, made me more valuable and, and helped me keep a job, which has been great. Um, so yeah, loved Baltimore. Um, that's, you know, my wife and I, we were married when I was playing in Baltimore. So just getting started on our marriage uh, journey. And, um, you know, we had a great team chaplain, Johnny Shelton, uh, who's still there, who had a big role in, you know, I say my early development as a football player and as a husband. So just a ton of growth there, learning from some older guys, Marshall Yanda, uh, who just retired a few years ago, who I'm sure will be a Hall of Famer someday. He's an offensive lineman who is a big mentor for me. And and Coach Harbaugh was a great coach. Um, and, and like I mentioned before, I mean, the NFL is about timing and opportunity. Uh, you can You can only hope to get an opportunity to play because – 
there's a lot of people that want that job. There's a lot of people competing for it. And when you do, um, you know, hopefully you prepared and um, are ready to go and can play well in those situations. And that happened for me. And, um, you know, I'm always grateful for Baltimore for, for that opportunity of getting my career started. Who else has been a mentor to you, whether it's an offensive lineman or a coach or just like someone who's kind of played a big role in your football career and otherwise? Um, you know, my brother, who's still uh, my best friend, I think he is he's a very, um, I don't know, like brutally honest person. And, um, you know, he's been good for me um, as far as being a realist and like understanding my position and um, understanding you know, I guess kind of the cold side of the business world of the NFL. Mm. Uh, so that's been that's been good for me to kind of um, just balance out my kind of upbeat, optimistic attitude, I'd say usually. Um, and then, you know, the biggest person is Amanda, um, biggest supporter, you know, always there for me and, and just looking out for me. And truly, you know, we kind of make jokes at each other, like, there's no telling what my career would or wouldn't be if we weren't married. And, um, being able to support me during there's there's so much uh just stress and anxiety over performance because it's all about you know what have you done for me lately so um, right. the ups and downs in that and and just being able to battle through adversity and being able to you know in a healthy way celebrate the the victories and small successes that i've had um during my time okay so it's so sweet, but also telling that both of your mentors were family members. Like mo a lot of people would say a coach and a player and even someone they've never met, but they watch. Um, so I want to touch on that. You're, let's start with Amanda because you've mentioned her so much yeah. and she is so wonderful because I know her too. And we were sorority yeah. sisters. Um, and I remember James, when you guys got engaged at UNC, we did a, a ceremony. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I hope I didn't just spill like a sorority yeah. secret um, and get kicked out of alumni chapters. Yeah. Um, anyways, okay, so you um, tell us how you met and um, and all uh, that that whole story. I I I know it, but um, for everyone who doesn't. Yeah. So um, one of my good friends on the team, Carson Wooten, he was younger than I was. He was Amanda's class, and. Uh, he was a mutual friend. I guess he had the foresight that we might be a good match. So he kind of alerted me that, hey, I think I want to introduce you to this girl. I think you might be interested. Um, but then to Amanda, he did not let her in on any of that. So as far as she knew, he was just hanging out, you know, with one of his buddies and everyone just kind of ended up in the same place. Um, but he introduced us and we really hit it off fast. Um, she ended up discipling me um, in, in college and helping me get set up with uh one of my best friends now is Graham, name is Grant Miller, um, getting me, helping me mature in my faith and grow into my faith, which uh, I'm eternally grateful for, honestly. So that's that's a huge part of my story. Um, but yeah, it was love at first sight is probably cliche, but we really hit it off fast. Uh, I think both of us feel really strongly about uh, the importance of our family and, and the role they've played in our lives. And I think that was early on, that was probably a big point for us um in our relationship and yeah so we um we dated i was a technically a junior i told her i was a sophomore which there was some truth behind that i came into college a semester earlier. yes okay. yeah so so the football eligibility <laughs> and then the classroom i was two different 
years, but uh, the sophomore sounded closer to her freshman. So <laughs> I let in with that and it must have gave me must have gave me a good enough opportunity to get my foot in the door. When did you tell her that how old you really were? So she asked me how old I was initially. Um, and I said I was a sophomore, which was true on the football field. Right. Uh, but because I had that extra semester of classes before I started playing football there, I was a junior academically. Um, so I don't know how it came up one day. Honestly, someone probably threw me under the bus and kind of revealed that to her. And then she had to, you know, work through that on our own. And I mean, you're only a couple of years apart anyways, right? Yeah. Yeah. Two years <laughs> apart. So it was no big deal. Okay. And then, so you propose while you're still in college, right? So she was still in college. It was her senior year. Um, and it was my, or is it her junior year? And it was my rookie year in the NFL. Oh. My bye week was in November. And so I drove... Because the ball, the drive from Baltimore to Chapel Hill was maybe five hours. So during my bye week, I drove back, proposed to her at a place on campus um, where we used to hang out. And I first told her I loved her. And so we drove up, we we walked up this hill. It was on top of a hill. And I kind of, you know, reminisced with her about, yeah, I do remember we used to come here all the time. And and so we get to the top of the hill. We're both dressed up. I told her we were going to a nice dinner. So I'm sure she's suspecting that I'm going to propose. And so we get to the top of Hill, we reminisce Well, we start walking back down. My hope was that she would be like, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this wasn't, um, maybe this wasn't going to happen tonight. And then about halfway down the Hill, I said, do you remember what happened here? Um, and then she said, you know, she was kind of confused and said no. And then I proposed about halfway down the Hill. Aww. So, yeah, so that was great. That was her junior year. Um, and then we were engaged for, felt like forever for like 18 months. Um, and so we got married in April, 2016. Just because you had to wait for the off season. Yeah. So my brother, so we got engaged in November. My brother was getting married the following summer. We couldn't get married before in that spring because that wouldn't have been enough time to plan and then football season. And then we wanted to wait till it warmed up a little bit. And so we picked April. Um, so yeah, logistically it's kind of how it worked out and felt like forever at the time, but <laughs> now it feels like. Yeah, so long ago that it's it's hard to remember that. And so now it's been seven years? Seven, seven years. Yeah, wow. we just, just celebrated seven, yeah. Amazing. And she is wonderful for yeah, everyone who you. doesn't have the joy thank of knowing you. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and then so you also mentioned your brother who went to Carolina. And so was he the catalyst for you to go to UNC? And talk maybe a little bit about your recruiting to Chapel Hill. Yeah. Um, so my brother was two years older than me. And out of college or out of high school, he went to Mississippi State, um, started some games. He was he was a tight end. He started some games as a freshman in the SEC, which is really awesome. Yeah. And then after his freshman year, all the coaches there got fired and he was more of a blocking tight end. And they were switching to a full spread system, which kind of comes full circle later, um, which didn't suit him as well. So he decided to transfer at the same time that I was in the middle of the recruiting situation mm -hmm. and so uh you know i really liked unc unc told him that they would love to have him as well so it kind of worked out that we went cool. at the same time he got there a semester before me um and then had to redshirt when he back then when he transferred right. you had to you had to redshirt a year uh, or set out a year so yeah we ended up playing a season and then his senior year he kind of re-injured his back and that was the end of his football career, which was, uh, which was definitely unfortunate, but it, at the time it was unbelievable to be able to play together. And 
I mean, to be able to play right next to each other, tackle and tight end, uh, was, was really, really awesome. A lot of great memories from that. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I'm reminiscing back in the day of like sitting out, like, I mean, who remembers that? No NIL. Um, but w- yeah. when you started at Carolina, you were recruited by Butch Davis and his staff, and then you went to coaching yeah. change. I mean, it's also a, a metaphor for just all the change that you go through in the NFL, switching teams. But what is it like from a player perspective to go through coaching changes and just kind of you switch systems, but you switch staffs and guys that you're close with and, you know, inevitably people are going to transfer. What is that like as a player? I think it's really tough. Uh, I think depending on the change, it can definitely have some benefits, um, you know, for each individual person in certain ways, but I think it's really tough. And I think you probably don't realize how tough it is when you're, you know, 19, 20 years old and having to go through a coaching change. Um, You know, learning a new system is one thing, but uh, everyone on the team has to do that. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's just, it's a hurdle of, of a new system and new coaches, uh, something you have to do. I, I do think the toughest part, especially in college is the changing of the strength coaches. So mm-hmm. I had three strength coaches in college and they were all really great, you know, and this is, um, no indictment on them or their performance as coaches, but when you get a new strength coach, inevitably they have a new system of lifting as well. And so, a lot of times you have to learn certain ways to lift weights or to work out or to run. Uh, they emphasize different things. And so there's this kind of period when you get a new strength coach of learning, learning their ways, learning how they do it, how they lift and what they stress. And that time you're kind of losing in a sense of like really intense training because you have to learn. And so that was really tough for me. And that was one thing that, um, I think I realized my first two years in the NFL, um, when you can have a consistent strength program, you're able to kind of advance that program on a path that, you know, just allows kind of exponential gains. But when you have to keep starting back over, it really slows that progress. And in college, when you're kind of at the peak of your physical, you know, growing stage of life, um, it was it was a tough obstacle to overcome. Was that one of the hardest things in your transition to the NFL, like just gaining or just becoming the weight or the size that it's it's different in the NFL? Like if you're an offensive lineman, no matter what, whatever position, yeah. like just NFL size, was that something really hard or an obstacle, if you will? So, so that was definitely an obstacle, but I don't think the biggest obstacle. Mm-hmm. I tell people a lot that the transition from high school to college is mostly a physical transition because when a guy's been in college for two or three years, he's been two or three years of a college weightlifting program. And, you know, in high school, most of the time, you just don't have that available to you or the time to be able to work out in a college strength and conditioning program. Um, But the transition from college to the NFL is more technical because by the time you've got, you know, if you will, the cream of the crop of those college players, all of those guys are big and fast and strong, everyone, because yeah. you have to be in order to be that level of talent. And so now the the biggest transition is technical, like my technique, how I punch somebody or how I use my hands or my footwork, or, you know, the timing of, of certain things or understanding the game. It's the small details, I think, in the NFL that separate guys um, that stay around from the guys that, you know, maybe have a shorter career. Interesting. Okay. So who is the 
hardest, toughest, strongest, and this can be all the mm. same answer or different. Um, but like the just hardest defensive lineman to go up against in the NFL that you have. Well, um, I will say I I do think that the best defensive, I mean, maybe probably the best player in the NFL right now is Aaron Donald. Um, only had to go against him a few times, uh, played against him in college, but he plays defensive tackle. I play offensive tackle. So we don't see each other yeah. kind of in a one-on-one situation very often at all. Um, but man, he's, he's a big time game changer. Um, but as far as people that I've personally gone against, um, man, there are some really good ones. Um, I think of Von Miller. Uh, I played mm. him maybe my maybe in my fifth season. Um, yeah, his his get off on the snap is is unbelievably quick. It's I'd say probably second to none. And then his ability to bend around the corner, um, his athletic traits of of being able to bend and dip around a corner are just so unique um and then on top of at this point i mean he's i don't even know what year he's in maybe 12 or something like that but he obviously understands the game you know as well as someone can understand it so you know as the mental side of the game as well he's top notch so he's kind of a complete package um this past season we played the browns and so before that game i was studying miles garrett yeah and that film was terrifying (laughs) so we ended up playing them in cleveland um and it was negative 26 degrees on christmas eve no the field was ice you know muddy icy it was a horrible situation to play a game but i was grateful that i didn't have to go against him in a regular situation um because he in my opinion this year he was probably the best defensive lineman that that i watched or studied on film he was really unbelievable yeah Um, he's able to beat guys with speed strength um, power counter moves, just kind of any way he was able to win. So, uh, yeah, he, he's a really great player as well. What are you doing in a game like that to mentally and physically prepare? Like, what are you wearing? What are you eating? How are you saying, like, how are you doing that? Yeah. So basically when you're on the field, that's as bad as it gets. Um, the wind is able to circle in the middle of the field, but when you go back to the sidelines, I mean, I don't you. want to say it's it's cush, but you've got heated <laughs> benches, you've got yeah. coats, you've got uh, like that hand warmers, you know, thing. all the yeah, all those things, toboggan, uh, like space heaters blowing on you. So it's fine. It's really just the exposed yeah. skin when you're out on the field is like it's pure misery. Do you keep um, your arms out? So I wore sleeves, which okay. you know the the old heads in the NFL world would probably be you know rolling over. <laughs> Uh, thinking about that, an offensive lineman wearing sleeves, uh, very frowned upon. But it, it got to a point where uh, I don't know who it was. Some government health organization said that we should avoid being outside for any more than five minutes at a time. And we were about to be outside for uh, three hours. Right. So I decided for my own health, it'd probably be best if we just put the sleeves on and, and yeah. made it work for the day. Yeah. That is so wild. Um so, okay, you're we're, you're talking about, like, guys who've been in the league for 12 years. Like, you're going on 10. I mean, you're not far off. How has your uh, – speaking of mental, how has your mental game and physical game evolved in that long? Yeah. Um, I'll start with the mental game – or, excuse me, I'll start with the physical game. So, I think just as I've gotten older, obviously, there's certain, you know, maybe injuries or weaknesses that you might have and you – understand those better but you also understand how to how to work them and train them and 
make them into non-weaknesses. Um, so I think that understanding um, on the physical side of things is is the biggest change because everyone's lifting and everyone's getting big and strong and fast. Um, but I think as far as keeping yourself healthy, it's understanding what your body needs, um, you know, understanding how to keep your knees strong or your back strong. Um, just two examples that, you know, that's going to allow you to play in the game because the most important thing is that you're healthy enough to play in the game on Sundays. Um, and so that's, that's the first thing. And then the, you know, the, the mental aspect of the game, I think has been really fascinating because as I've had more coaches, um, you know, each I'll say offensive line coach, they kind of teach differently or they right. might have um, different things that they value or different techniques that they use. So being with different people, I've been able to learn um, a lot of different techniques, a lot of different ways to watch film, to study an opponent, uh, particularly um, coach Doug Marone, who is a head coach for the Jaguars and the Bills, I believe. Yeah, uh, He's our offensive line coach now in New Orleans. And he definitely uh, opened my eyes in, in year nine on some different ways to watch film, different ways to study opponents, um, kind of chart tendencies a lot of times. And that has really helped a ton and um, just preparing for an opponent, understanding who you're going against and what you might get on certain down distances or situations within the game. So it's always a learning process. And I think um, as soon as you start refusing to learn, uh, you know, that's probably going to be the death of, of, of your career um, unless, you know, physically you're just an elite level prospect. Tell me the coolest stadium to you, like where you like playing. This is a wild card. Oh. Uh, but I say Minnesota, which okay. we play there this year, which is pretty exciting. Um, the outside of the stadium is black and it's like kind of abstract, a little futuristic looking. But then on the inside, um, one of their end zones has this window that's probably, it's a rectangle and it's probably, it seems like it's 50 yards long. It's this huge window that they kind of swing open sideways for the game. So it's a really different feel like when you're okay. in the it's an indoor stadium. So when yeah. you're inside, but one of the end zones feels like it's, you know, halfway open. Um, it's pretty cool. And then on top of the the fan experience there, um, you know, it's just their their chants are cool. Everyone's in on it. Um, it's it's a really awesome experience. And, you know, I try not to rate Baltimore, New Orleans, because I'm on yeah. the good team. Right. Like right. people are cheering for us. So. Yeah, I enjoy those a lot as well, um, and those have been really cool. It's it was cool to play in New Orleans as a Raven, mm -hmm. and then now come to New Orleans and be able to actually enjoy the fan experience. Um, but yeah, th those have been all great. And uh, Minnesota, I say Minnesota, I think because it's different, um, and it you know it's not like Pittsburgh is a really historic stadium or Green Bay is a really historic stadium, and those have all been awesome and kind of dreams come true, if you will, to play in them. But Minnesota is one that totally caught me off guard. Had no idea what I was, you know, getting into when we played there for the first time. So it's it's pretty cool for me. You had a really good memory of, like, your first game, the score, your second game, not so great. Um, and I'm curious if you have a favorite memory from the NFL of, like, a game that sticks out to you. Whew, that's a tough question. Um as far as the game that sticks out to me, I definitely think um, my rookie year, that first playoff game that I started playing in that um, Steelers-Ravens rivalry. I mean, yeah. it was as hot, you know, as 
yeah, just the stadiums had all the energy. The rivalry was there as a playoff game. It was win or go home. Uh, we were on the road. Was playing James Harrison. Um, it was just you know it had all the pieces of a memorable game. And then you know I played decently well, and you know we won the game. So my first playoff start was a win. Um, so that was definitely one of them. Uh, my wife actually got that jersey framed, which is just a really oh. really cool memory uh, for me to have and and to look back on. But there's so many, um, but that's definitely the first one for me that comes to mind. Okay, what about a college game? Best or favorite college game? Well, I mean, I think it probably you probably could guess. This I think I'm going to guess it. Game What's my favorite? The G- oh, well, the Geo. The Geo Runback. Yeah, yeah take, I mean, it's it take us through it from your point of view. Yeah. So, um, a little backstory in that game, I was playing horrible. I mean, I was having a bad day. They had some good players on the D-line, but it was not my day. So I was super frustrated. Uh, we go to the end. I think we were we were down maybe when they punted that ball. Um, but everyone on the sideline was like, all right, guys, like two-minute drill. Like we're going to have to throw the ball a lot. We're going to have to throw it deep. Like we're going to have to send up a prayer basically because we don't have any time left. We got to score points. And so we were all very much like, all right, like, here we go. Like, let's go. We got to, we got to put the drive together. We got to score points. And just the total disbelief of one that they punted him the ball. Like everyone was like, yeah, they're just going to kick it out of bounds. Right. And we're going to get the ball on the minus 30 yard line and have to go a long way. One. So he catches the ball. So we're all kind of like, Oh, well, that's nice. You know, he'll probably at least get some yards. Yeah. (laughs) And then he just, he keeps running and you know, it's like there are two guys out in front of him blocking for him that, you know, they, they laid some blocks and then met him in the end zone. And it was just like, man, it was the best experience. Um, that was the loudest I've ever heard that stadium um, as a player or as a fan. So it was it was unbelievable, just, you know, truly a memory and, and one that, uh, you know, I'll never forget. And the helmets. I can just oh, see yeah. it. Yeah. Um, picture. And I actually even wasn't – I think because it's the Thanksgiving game, I don't even think I was there, but I just like – have so such a vivid memory yes. of that one. Yeah, I can hear. Uh, was it was it Jones that was calling? Oh, the game? Jones Angel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I can hear his voice, like yes, you know, making that call, and yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so good. That's like definitely yeah. a top sports moment. So actually, now I'm sure you see a lot of Carolina guys when you're traveling, but you've played with some ACC guys. They're, you know, different, who knows what the divisions are going to look like with all of this restructuring, but you've got Lamar, you've got Jameis. What does the ACC smack talk look like? Are you telling them that Carolina is the best ACC school or what? I usually, I lay low. Uh, Yeah, I know you're too nice. Yeah. Speaking of Jameis. uh, Yeah, he's great. I love Jameis. And he's the opposite of that, as you (laughs) probably could imagine. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. So they could be, you know, FCS team and he's going to be in the building acting like they're about to go to the national championship. Uh, So I love it. Honestly, it's, it's great banter. I think that, um, you know, the SEC guys in particular, they dog in the ACC and, you know, they have the national championships, which is fair. I can't, can't argue against that. Um, Tell them about our field hockey program. I know. I know. I'm (laughs) trying to tell them. Basketball, baby. We've got basketball. Yeah. So I think from an ACC's perspective, um, it feels it feels good because it feels like, you know, why we might not have played at the same school. We're kind of on the same team. 
um, mm-hmm. which is nice. Uh, it feels like there's a lot of pride in ACC. And I think people that, you know, play at ACC schools understand that, well, yes, football is what we do. And it, in our mind, is the most important sport. And a lot, I think a lot of people would agree with that. The ACC is just so well-rounded and uh, plays a lot of sports really, really well. So as a fan, it's great for me because I get to enjoy, you know, our success in baseball and basketball and in other sports um, and, and watch that and cheer our guys on. So, What's something that people don't know about being a professional athlete and, and for you specifically, obviously, in the NFL um, that you wish people knew? Maybe something hard or something interesting or just something unique um, that you have insight into? Yeah, um, I think it's probably the off-season time. Um, yeah, tell us know, like, off- what, what you're doing right now and in, in yeah, kind of the yeah. back and forth. Yeah, and I don't want to overstate this because uh, the off-season is very nice and um, you can set your own schedule and you can take vacations and you can do a lot of really fun things. So, you know, I want to say that first before I say this. But I think, um, you know, sometimes people might think that we play in the season for six months and then you're off for six months. And, you know, it's definitely not that at all. I think the end of the season for me, you know, I take a little time to get healthy, um, give myself a mental break from, you know, training, uh, weightlifting, football, all those things to kind of just reset um, in January. And and then, you know, when February and March starts rolling around, the, the weightlifting, the running, the training picks right back up. And it's, for me, it's usually five days a week. Uh, I lift four days a week. And that's about, you know, I lift for about three hours, which is a really long time to lift weights. But um, it's what yeah. works for me and what I've learned over these nine seasons that I that I need to do to be able to play. And then, you know, as we get closer to the regular season, my running picks up, my drill work picks up. Um, but through all that time, you know, it's it's nutrition, it's sleep, um, it's recovering through stretching, massage work, um, you know, stuff on your own, stuff at clinics, physical therapy. On um, At this point, you know, I feel like I got some nagging things that have stayed with me in my career. So it's it's knowing those things and spending time to address them and make sure that they don't become an issue. Um, so yeah, five days out of the week, you know, I'm working four to five hours a day and it's really all in my body because as an NFL player, our body's our business. As soon as our body, you know, doesn't work, then it's going to be time to find a new job. So I've been blessed with, uh, some great people around me, physical therapists, um, strength coaches that have helped me and worked with me to, to keep my body in the right place. And, still being able to make gains um, as a 31-year-old NFL player and, and get better each year. I felt like I actually had my best season in year nine um, last year, which was really, really cool to say, and I uh, really enjoyed that. So just making sure that I take the best things from each offseason and try to incorporate those as best I can into the offseason after that, um, just to make sure that you're optimizing your time and you're being efficient with your training and your energy and your focus. You mentioned – whenever the time comes, what the next business is. And hopefully you have a while for that. But I read that um, after football, maybe coffee is in your future. In yeah, your self-pronounced yeah. coffee connoisseur. So what yeah. is your coffee order, first of all? Um, that's a tough question. So I order coffee on the temperature outside. So Absolutely. I like ice. I like hot, but I always do opposite. So if it's hot outside, I want something ice. If it's Absolutely. cold outside, I want something warm, which is I think is pretty – that's probably pretty standard. Yeah. Um, so cold, 
cold drink is an ice vanilla latte for sure nice. for me that is my go-to uh, and then a hot drink is a cortado which is kind of funny because i'm a really big guy cortado is four ounces yeah it's it two ounces like of little... espresso <laughs> yeah and it's like i'm holding a little you know a little cup and and sipping yeah. my my cup but i love it um it's you yeah. know it's doesn't have as much milk so i can taste the espresso um but also it's not quite as strong as just plain espresso um so i feel like it's a good middle ground for me and i can drink it fast it's not going to fill me up or give me a ton of calories that i don't need um so yeah those are usually my go-to my go-to orders so do you and amanda spend time trying all different coffee shops and like getting ideas for what yours will be one day like what do you guys like to do when you do have time off during the season and in the off season yeah so definitely love going to coffee shops um and really kind of talking to the baristas or the owners of the shop whoever's in there that's probably what i love most about coffee is the community that it can often create um so for my shop if that does come to fruition um you know i love big comfy furniture i love seeing people catching up or visiting with each other you know over a coffee drink um that's to me, that's the most important aspect of coffee. And yes, the coffee tastes great. And that's always what you want when you're paying for something um, to be happy with that. But I think it's the community and it's talking with people and establishing relationships or continuing relationships, I think is really awesome. I think it's something that um, I don't want to say is unique to the coffee industry, but I think it's definitely uh, something that could be taken advantage of. And, and just seeing, yeah, seeing friends catch up is a really cool thing. And so whatever you can do to encourage that um, is is what I like to imagine. But we've we've been all over. We travel um, a good bit, and we're always checking out new shops and seeing what they have to offer, and you know, getting ideas from here and there, and uh, just kind of putting them in the back of our mind for you know one day if if that's something that takes place. Hopefully, we can have a, a really cool setup. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you guys travel, I, I was following Amanda last travel time you guys don't have that great of luck travel wise oh, i mean no we got to get something better on that is it flights or what, what what happens every time you travel? so i th i think in uh in february we had two different trips so that's four flights and three of those four flights were canceled oh because gosh. of one plane got rerouted uh we got stuck in dallas for the ice storm <laughs> that hit dallas i mean it was just miserable it was a miserable stretch i think by the end of it by the by the fourth flight we were just like kind of laughing at you know yeah. how ridiculous the situation was and we rented a car we ended up driving like six hours to where we we're <laughs> trying to go because we were just like hey at least we feel like we can control the car um, right so it was it was pretty miserable there for a bit but we made the most of it and uh, ended with some good friends and some good just relaxing time, um, not being in an airport. So yeah. we made the most of it, but man, we were on a stretch there of, of, uh, yeah, you do not want to be traveling with us. That's for sure. No, probably not. But no, no. Amanda's so funny because she makes them such light of it and you guys are both so optimistic and yeah. it, again, like a testament to you, you have friends and family and so many places because you're yeah. good people. Um, I, before I let you go, um, you're a big reader. And I, I know you haven't been posting it lately, but you post like your books that you're reading and book reviews. Yeah. And a lot of them I like and have read because it looks like we have similar interest in like thrillers. So do you yeah. have any book recommendations, books you read lately? What do you Oh recommend? man, let me, let me pull up Goodreads. I use Goodreads. Oh, uh, me too. Okay. I, I, it's a great, it's a great app, but I don't want to miss something. Um, <laughs> I just read, uh, 
a book maybe like a year ago called The Guest List by Lucy Foley. I think that that's one's who good. wrote it, Lucy Foley. Um, let me see. Yeah, that one's really good. Uh, it's a good thriller. It's an easy read. It's probably like 250 pages, but it's one where each chapter ends with a cliffhanger and you're like, I just got to keep going. I got to yeah. keep reading. Um, man, this is this is good. Um, Put you on the spot there. I read... I know. I read a book. I think it was called Artemis. It was by the guy that read the, wrote The Martian. I've um, seen that book. That was, I know the cover. Yeah. yeah. That was a really good book. I like sci-fi. So sci-fi okay. thriller um, are two that I usually go to. Uh, just read a book called Dark Matter. Just finished that a couple of days ago. That was really good. Um, kind of a, again, a sci-fi thriller with kind of a multiverse uh, sort of twist, if you will. Um, but I generally go for thrillers, the page turners, um, yes, most of the time I'm not like the self-help, you know, I'm not really getting a lot out of my books. Books are an escape for me. Um, you know, and some people won't agree with that, but that, that's how I like to do it. Um, I think, I think it's a ton of fun that way. So, well, you could do like a, a book club, coffee shop, mix it all. And, um, yep. are you guys still, you were leading, um, Bible study in Baltimore. Are you doing that in the state and New Orleans as well? Yeah, so we have a chaplain um, in New Orleans, and uh, my, so my first two years in New Orleans, my first year was 2020, which was uh, the COVID mm-hmm. season, and then 2021, which was still affected in a lot of ways. Um, so the ministry on the team looked very different in those two years because we couldn't have um, real personal contact, which was you know difficult for us and difficult for the entire world during that time. Um, but yeah, this past season. We had another couple study. Amanda and I didn't lead it, um, but we were participants. And the the team chaplain did a great job. Uh, him and his wife, and then his brother and uh, his wife as well, who's a teacher at the uh, New Orleans Seminary. There, they helped run that, and yeah, had a ton of attendance. Um, so that that's been something that's super encouraging for us, and it lets lets us get to know people on a much deeper level, uh, much faster. So while we only spend six months in New Orleans at a time, you know, we feel like we're getting years worth of um, just going deep with people and, and trying to understand them on a you know deeper spiritual level and, and what they what they have success with and what they struggle with. So it, it's a really cool experience. Uh, I've been grateful to have chaplains on both teams that I've been on um, just as a great resource for guys exploring their faith um, and for people to grow in their faith, you know, in the midst of a football season that can be really tough mentally and emotionally um, throughout the year for for kind of some support in that area as well. That's awesome. Okay, last question. Yeah. What game are you most looking forward to this season? Oh, man, what game? Um, well, let's see. Oakland Titans, Panthers. We played two Thursday night games this year, which yeah. I think, yeah, they just approved that teams can play two Thursday night games, which those are a bear. I don't know. Different the, <laughs> those, are, those are definitely going to be a bear. Uh, yeah. You know, the, our coaches do a really good job of making sure that everyone's rested and as healthy as you can possibly be. Um, but obviously, as many people have said, it's not not the most ideal situation for the players. Uh, but I'd say week two, we play a Monday night game against the Panthers in Charlotte. So, family uh, comes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of family and friends come. Um, you know, North Carolina to me now feels like home. So it feels like, um, you know, the enemy coming into home territory. Um, and that, that's a huge divisional game for us early in the season. So I'm, I'm sure that'll be a great environment and a ton of fun. And obviously when the stakes are high, the games are a lot more fun. So, so that's going to be a big one for us. 
That's awesome. James, this has been such a great conversation. We're so excited to uh, cheer you on. I always cheer for my fellow Tar Heels. So um, year 10, before we let you go, um, plug yourself. Where can everyone find you? Obviously, whenever the Saints play, but um, anything else that you want to plug? Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you having me. This is a lot of fun. Um, I I love just, you know, kind of getting a little more out about myself. I'm an offensive lineman. We always fly under the radar. We don't get a lot of attention unless it's negative. So I uh, really appreciate you having me. Good catching up with you. And um, yeah, looking forward to watching this. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll be so excited. And um, can anyone follow you anywhere? Are you kind of? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. Uh, James Probably underscore a good W thing. underscore Hurst. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter's tough, uh, especially in my world. You start typing some names in and uh, it can get real dirty real fast with fan experience. So I got rid of that my second year um, in the NFL and my life has been uh, much better for it. Uh, so I'm just on Instagram, um, but I'm a, I'm a casual follow. I'm an easy person, uh, an easy person to watch stuff. I love it. And I interrupted you as James underscore W underscore Hurst. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Perfect. Um, James, thank you so much. Say hi to Amanda and um, yes, I will. We'll, we'll watch you on TV. How's that? That sounds great. Thanks so All much. All right. Thanks, James.